0: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning up the mental mess. Well, as you can see, I have a guest with me in the studio today, and I am really excited. Ellie, welcome. Thank for you. all of you that don't already know, this is my son in law, Ellie. He's married to my eldest daughter, Jessica, and we are very excited. We're sitting here looking kind of calm, but we're both extremely excited because Ellie is about to be a father. I'm about to be a grandmother for the first time. We are, they literally, you're literally expecting your baby like any minute now. I mean, it's yeah. like we, we, we could be called out of studio in who knows well, hopefully not
1: hopefully, not, <laughs> hopefully but...
0: not so well eddie welcome i'm so pleased Thank to you. be really looking forward to this interview Yeah, me
1: too.
0: i'm very proud of you i mean eddie has is amazing but besides being an amazing son-in-law credible support to our family he's brilliant he's also written a book that i absolutely love about what kobe left behind it's about kobe bryant and I mean, I'm not a sports fan at all. I don't watch basketball. I don't watch sport. But when Eli wrote this book and he asked me to read it and he asked me a few questions about it, I was I was engrossed straight away. I mean, I read this book and absolutely loved what, what Ellie has written here. It's brilliant. Thank it's you. It's so well written. Thank you. And it's so interesting. And I never thought I'd say that about a book about sport. Mm-hmm. But it's not so much about sport, Eli. It's about the person and, you know, what we can learn. And that's why absolutely. I thought. This totally. is just so important to, to, to talk about this. So welcome and thank you again for coming on the show. Oh, thank and you. I appreciate it. why did you write this book?
1: Well, it's a great question. So, you know, growing up in L.A., I was a huge Laker fan and a huge Kobe fan. But when he died, I was shocked to see the outpouring of grief and sorrow from around the world, from people mm. from all walks of life. Mm. And so I asked myself, What is it that allowed him to become so revered and adored and admired despite all the mistakes he made and all the failures he had? And so I started doing deep research and I discovered that, you know, over his lifetime he developed and learned a set of techniques and skills and habits Mm -hmm. that, that when he put them all together, they allowed him to transcend his past and become amazingly successful and eventually I realized that these skill sets, these techniques are things that don't just apply to basketball, but they can help anybody become their best selves. And so once I put two and two together, I'm like, you know, this is a story that the world needs to know because it can help us do so much more with what we're given and really just enhance our lives in just a very special mm. ways.
0: That's what I got when I was reading the book because it really made me feel that it encouraged me and it made me, you know, I'm in the field, I'm in this field of mental health mm-hmm. and encouraging yes. people, but there was just to see it attached to a story and to see that, you know, how he overcame things and, you know, I found myself reading things even that you'd interviewed me about and thought, yo, that's something I need to apply in my own life and yes, I have applied that and I want to apply that and so it motivated me and I'm in this kind of field to actually learn more about, you know. Of what can we do and, and how stories can help us. And, you know, you write so well, I mean, this is what really impressed me and you're not, you know, you, you write so well, it's so interesting. So I, I have so many questions. Eddie. Sure. So I wanted to start Though I'm going to, I'm going to kind of start with Eddie interviewed me about the concept of reconceptualization and my neurocycle. And I mean, Eddie knows my work. He's been a consultant in our company and he does a lot with us. So he and him and I love to have long discussions, sometimes in the car when we're driving somewhere and the others are saying, Hey, Ellie, Caroline, concentrate on the road And both of us are chattering away and ignoring them So I'm actually, Ellie I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of selfishly start with sure. the section That you sure. interviewed me on Because I I loved how you did it I mean, I read the words that you said I said, and I thought, wow, I said them so well, no. well Otherwise you just represented me yes, really well
1: yes, I'm a secret speech writer you, yeah. I tell you, it
0: was fantastic Well, Ellie and I spent quite a lot of time talking about the concept Of reconceptualization And you have a you have a really great passage in here And you interviewed me And you basically Ask me about the you know, reconceptualization. I don't know. Do you want to read this, or just tell me? Just talk about this. This little section. It's on page two seventeen. I'm going to read the first. Sure, sure go ahead, I'm going to go read ahead. the first paragraph. Yeah. Where uh, and Eddie asked me, but how does reconceptualization work? And it centers around a concept called multiple perspective advantage, according to Dr. Caroline Leaf, a leading neuroscientist and mental health researcher whose mind management technique, the neurocycle, contains reconceptualization at its core. Here's how she explains multiple perspective analysis in a nutshell. Now, I'm going to read this because you said it better than I said after someone has had an emotional experience and, is, and its intensity has dissipated, there is still energy associated with that experience that can do good or harm to them, depending on how they perceive the experience. If they try to think about the experience from a different perspective, like the viewpoint of a third party, they can change the emotional energy associated with that experience so that it can drive them in the right direction instead of the wrong one. I mean, just that alone, let's talk about that. Why did that capture you? Because we recently Said a lot in when we were chatting and, and sure. you were interviewing me, sure. That really captured you because it's really fantastic how you captured that. Sure,
1: thanks. So you know, it's what's really fascinating how the some of the, the methods that you teach were are kind of universal truths that other people, other high achievers, have learned for themselves. So for Kobe Bryant, as I started to study him deeply, I r- recognized that through all that some of the adversities that he had experienced and some of the toxic energy that it comes what comes way he really did see he even was quoted seen it's like it's just energy you know everything's energy whether it's somebody praising you or somebody condemning you whether it's you making a mistake or some trauma happening to you it's all energy and it and he figured out that he could he could look at it from a different perspective and then process it in a way that it could be his fuel Mm
0: -hmm. for him to
1: drive him forward. So instead of him feeling beat down, he could convert it. And then now when he's going to the basketball game, he could take that and and take that energy and take it with him to go in and dominate his opponent on on the court. And it was just so fascinating because it's like, then when, when you have, when, when nothing can hold you back because everything's energy, then you really are, empowered to, to conquer everything. And then when bad things do happen to you, you know, you can actually use those as stepping stones to your next victory. And so he really, and I mean, and that's, what's so fascinating about him is because, you know, he had so many public failures, so many, so many setbacks, and somehow he overcame all of them, which, and it's like, how does that happen unless you have some sort of a strategy, that addresses whatever happened and uses it to get to your next success. So, so when I saw that what he was doing, and then it reminded me of what you're doing. I'm like, oh my gosh, so there's a connection. One of many connections that I discovered in his life that I'm like totally aligns with what you teach and what you try and encourage your followers to use in their own lives.
0: I love that. And, you know, that whole energy thing is so valid, Ellie, because every experience you have is, as you know, you've heard me say so often and and my listeners have heard me and viewers have heard me that it, Every experience is is wired into your mind-brain-body connection as a reality. It's not just some airy fairy thing. It's a real protein tree-like structure in your brain. It's a change in your cells. It's a change in your mind. And it is energy. It's energy vibrations in those proteins, in the brain. And if it's toxic, it it does become this fireball of energy like a volcano, and it's Mm going to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So reconceptualization is harnessing that. So what I I would – sorry, do you want to go ahead? No, no, no. So I'd love us to talk about a story. You know, get something specific sure. or a few. What? What sure. can you? How did you make that sure. association? Tell us something specific, well, maybe. Yeah. So or, there or are a couple I mean, of a, stories. Few, a few
1: amazing stories. Like one story was when he was in high school, he would or yeah, when he was in high school, one of the things that really was a challenge is he was the only player to jump from high school straight to the NBA, who was not a, a center or a power forward. So so it's when he incredible. made the decision, it, it, you know, as a high school senior to skip college, he had so much, so many people doubting him, so many people attacking him, mm. saying, no, you're going to fail, you're going to be, a, a, you're going to be forgotten, you're making a huge mistake. And, but he knew deep inside of himself that he had the skills to be a top tier player, you know, coming out of high school. And so his, so you had sports writers, you had fans, you had teammates all coming at him and he basically, and one sports writer basically said, you know what? If he does this, you know, he's going to go to be, he's never going to be heard from again. And it's just going to be terrible. And his response to that was, it, as a high school senior, his response to that was, oh, no, that's okay. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that piece of what he said. I'm going to put in my motivation bank and I'm going to use that later. So he literally took whatever that toxic energy is and said, Hey. Next time I'm on the court and I'm facing a challenge, I'm gonna remember that guy who said, I can never make it and I'm gonna be like, okay, that, that gives me the, the motivation to go and prove them wrong and go and conquer whatever it is whatever it is that's in front of me. So mm. he, he really just he, he even as a even you know as a as a kid he found ways to to use all that and then transcend that. And I think the core of it is you have to already be confident in your own abilities. Obviously if Next you're really kid. if you're really if you're really emotionally distressed and and don't really feel like you can do anything then it's easy for people to rain on you and for that to break you down but if you develop if you figure out with develop confidence and then someone comes down on you you if you've built that up inside of you, you can be like hey look nothing they say can break me down because they don't know me they don't know how many hours they don't know mm-hmm. all the time all the effort i put into being great at this thing so now not only is what they're saying a waste of time for them it's just is just even more valuable for me because proving them wrong will make my victory that much sweeter. Mm. So it's, it's, just, it's just a beautiful thing for me to actually have that as part of my, my psyche. You know, that. One of, when he retired in his, in his last year mm-hmm. as, a, as a Laker, he actually put out a, you know, he had a long-standing relationship with Nike, and he put out mm-hmm. a video, a, a commercial, which was kind of like his swang, swang, song swan to being, song to mm-hmm. being a player but it wasn't a commercial celebrating his heroic achievements and everybody like worshipping him it was a commercial that showed him on the court you know shooting a, shooting the basketball and showed just an arena full of people just yelling insults at him yelling insults at him wow. they were saying you know you know you suck kobe i hate you da 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 from every part of the court and and then he, he, he just put his hand to his ear like he wanted more of that. He, he wanted more of the hate because it was just validation of his abilities. Because at the end of the day, the people who challenge, the people who try to be successful, the more successful you try to be, the more hate you're going to get. So he just saw it as like a blessing mm. to get all of this toxic energy at him. Because not only was it validation and proof that he was going in the right direction, he, since he knew how to convert that, he actually enjoyed it. And so making this, this commercial about it was like the true, the true frame of reference of like, yes, I love being hated, you know, because it's, I don't want it, but if it's there, I'm going to use it. So might as well just, just embrace it, just make it part of my identity.
0: That's amazing So that ability To take Because energy Is never lost As you you know yourself I mean you're an engineer It's always converted It always goes From one form To the next So that is A toxic energy And he took that And he made it work For him Instead of it Being destructive Yeah He had this ability To make it constructive Yeah And you kind of think Kobe Bryant I mean everyone loved him I didn't even know He had that situation Where people hated him But I know he was Kind of a bit Difficult In his young days He had a lot of
1: issues issues That that did hold him back And you know, prevented him from becoming as successful as he wanted to be. And that kind of set the groundwork, a lot of the groundwork for a lot of the negative energy to come his way, whether they, people said, you're too selfish or you're too, you know, know, you're too mean spirited or you're too Mm -hmm. demanding or whatever, that, that did set the groundwork for people to really attack him. But because he found a way to transcend all of that and actually use that as fuel, then it turned from, it turned from this hate into kind of a reverence at the mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. where the where i would see like i would you know after he died i would see you know what look at comments online and people would say you know oh i i hated you so much when you were a player mm. but now i'm crying that you're gone you know mm. and it's just quite because he, he's just quite fascinating how he how he just converted all of whatever was happening converted to something that could lift himself even higher and and just show that you know whether you, how you feel about me you're going to you're gonna respect me because I'm going to you know use all the energy to, to be the best
0: mm. did you know that we all have zombie cells in our body yes this is not a script for a horror movie senescent cells also known as zombie cells are old worn out cells no longer serving a useful function for our health thankfully there are ways we can actually combat the effect that these zombie cells have on us including using senolytic ingredients that are science backed to support our body's elimination of these cells. And our sponsor, Neurohacker, packs seven of the most science-backed senolytic ingredients into one formula called Qualia Senolytic. And you can take it just two days a month for fast, noticeable benefits, for, and a much better aging process mentally and physically. For help with my daily mental performance and help supporting my long-term brain health as I age, I think Qualia Senolytic is indispensable. I noticed a difference in just days to my focus, my mood, my memory and my willpower to get things done. I also love that the formula is non-GMO vegan, gluten-free and the ingredients are meant to complement one another factoring each ingredient's effect on supporting mental clarity. If you're in your late 20s or older adding qualia senolytic to your diet can play a crucial role in combating negative aging symptoms. Go to neurohacker.com forward slash leave for up to 50% of qualia senolytic and as a listener of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, use the code LEAF at checkout for an extra 15% off your first purchase. It's neurohacker.com forward slash LEAF to try Qualia synolytic with code LEAF and start aging on your terms. The link and details are in the show notes. So you said something very interesting there about how in his initial and I, I mean I read that in yes. your book two and yes. he was kind of a, quite obstreperous. I mean he was quite rude. He was yeah. quite. He wasn't seen as having much empathy. No, and no, empathy no. is another theme you yes. explore in the book, yes. and I'd love you to talk about like, yes. his early days and how that shift to empathy became very much a guiding force in his life.
1: Yeah, well, if you know, if you go back, so you know, one of the things I t- that I try and elevate is, yeah, if you for you know. Basketball fans, most basketball fans, you know, recognize how Kobe Bryant was seen as a selfish player and very just, you know, some people would say narcissistic, very uh, you know, focused on his own, his own success and pushing people out of the way. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that came from his childhood. And people forget how much your childhood does impact how you are as a person. Yeah. Because he was isolated as a kid, you know, his parents were lit, You know, it, he had to follow his his NBA player dad from one city to another, mm-hmm. and then in Italy, where he didn't know anybody, didn't know the language, mm-hmm. didn't know the culture, going from city to city with the, with his with his dad with his family as his dad continued to play basketball. You know, all he he had no social circle. He had no. No opportunity. Yeah. He had normal he had normal child. He didn't have a normal childhood where he could really socialize with people his age and and really learn how to share and how to lean on others and develop a community. So he was just focused on himself. I can't trust anybody but myself Mm. to be the best. And all I have is basketball. So the basketball is my identity. And Mm. anyone who tries to get in the way of that is is the enemy. So, you know, and so that's kind of, I I mean, based on his past and things that he's even acknowledged, that's, that's what led him to become, kind of become this, you know, the beginning of his career, like seen as self-centered, seen as, you know, just focused on getting everybody out of the way. And yeah, he had, he had some success with that because he was so passionate about Mm -hmm. his sport. He did have some success. He, I mean, he had, you know, with him and Shaq, under Phil Jackson, you know, three peak championships, it was amazing the accomplishments they had, but there was a lot, of, a lot of strife and toxic situations there between him and Shaq, between him and his coach, which, which ended up destroying the team. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until years later that he started to realize, okay, you know, this isn't working. I'm now in the second half of my career, Shaq's gone. I don't know if I can make another championship the people I have around me, I don't have any superstars on my team anymore, how am I going to win? You know, because I can't do it all by myself. I don't, I've realized I've scored more points than anybody. I've scored 81 points. I've, I've dominated the league for years, but I can't win a championship because I can't do it all by myself. Mm. So I have to find another way. And his coach was really a big proponent of of this, this idea of empathy. And the fact that you know, one of the things that's important is that you know, especially as men, we when we hear the term empathy, we think that it means, you know, basically lying down and letting other people walk over you, or just giving giving people what they want when they throw a tantrum, and and just you know, not speaking up and just being being weak and you know. And that's not. You, that's you know, not if you be a pro is. athlete, that's that's not going to help you. You mm-hmm. know, at least if that's what you think like empathy, empathy is. is yeah. And you're like, hey, I don't want to do that. I want to. I want to win, and that means that I have to be tough and not just be the Mr. Nice Guy. That's just you know, just you know, placating everybody and being an enabler. But but then if you back up and you realize empathy is just the definition of empathy is just understanding other people's feelings, mm-hmm. under, trying to understand what they're going through. And it doesn't reflect on what you should do with that understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we talked a lot about after we retired is how empathy was the key for him in the second half of his career. It's because then he realized, hey, I, it means that I should look at each person as an individual and not use a one-size-fits-all approach and see, what, and see okay, this player, they're struggling in a certain way based on what their issues are and what they're going through mm-hmm. i should give them more space to to fail and 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 kind of use a more d- gentle touch with them With well, this other person i know he that person does like confrontation they're more they're more receptive to a challenge so i can be so i should be tougher with them and and, and push them more significantly so that i can help them rise to the next level and so by by using a different technique that's tailored to each person's Mindset, identity, and where they are in the life, he was able to elevate all of them to a po- point where they could be their best when he when he was playing with them. And so then it wasn't just him being the best player on the court; it was about him leading the best team because he he'd figured out how to touch each of them in a specific way that brought them to, brought the best out of them. You know,
0: I love that. I love that when you read when I read that in the book and when you we chatted about this, just that whole concept of our empathy shifted and you know often i talk about people hear me on the show talk about this a lot about how you show up isn't who you are it's because of what's happened to you sure and empathy is being able to recognize that the way another person shows up even if it's offensive or aggressive or what we think is whatever is to understand that that's that's not who they are it's they showing up like that because of and he tuned into that so that's yes. really, when he shifted from oh just be like what i want you to be Yeah, he shifted over to okay that person's showing up because that one of the players had lost a child and yes, they're still yes. born SIDS and another one had childhood eye cancer. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so these are, those things affect and these people that had early childhood trauma. Yeah. So every person is showing up with something. Yes. So he suddenly saw his team as humans with lives and experiences yes. and that's empathy. Yeah. And it was that tuning into the person and aligning with their, their pain experience that got the best out of them and shifted the lakers to being… Incredible.
1: Yeah, it it truly it really was. It truly really was. I mean, that team in 2008, 2009, 2010 is is still seen as like one of the most uh, most overachieving teams because you had P- Pau Gasol, who is now just entered the Hall of Fame. But other than him, there was really nobody on that team that was of any that was like a also wow. sort of talent besides Kobe. But because of the way that he shifted his perspective in terms of how he treated his teammates and really following the leadership of his coach. You know, Phil Jackson, who who was all about empathy and all about how to connect with these players individually, then they were able to become greater than the sum of their parts and do what other teams with superstars were not able to do, you know, which is Mm. be a cohesive unit. And be kind of that one mind approach to how do we how do we achieve victory. So love that yeah. it's kind
0: of like reminds you of Ted Lasso. It's almost like that, Tid, it's like the little lessons that from Ted Lasso. Yeah. I wonder if they didn't take some lessons from well, your you book. Know,
1: well, I mean, there is that one episode where he does when he has his epiphany in the in the bar. It's when he's watching the, you know, the Bulls. Yes, and, yes. And, and, and learning about how Phil Jackson's triangle offense, which Was also the... is part of this, because that whole offensive strategy is about trusting each other. Yeah, totally. You know? That's the whole key. So, so, yeah, and then, yeah, bringing that and then he bring it out to soccer for his own, own success. and and But it goes, and that's the thing, it's like, it's, this is not just about sports, though. It's about life. It's about learning mm. how to trust each other and how to... How to open up to each other so that you can get people to trust you, I, mm-hmm. and that's one of one of one of the challenges that he also ad- addressed in the in those later years. It's like not not only is it just not good enough to just say, "Hey, you do this because I did it. You, know, mm-hmm. you be great because I'm great." Mm-hmm. What he started doing is being like, "Hey, let me open up." You know, I've been so guarded all my life and protected all all the things that, all, you know, my personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Let me open up to you about the things that I dealt, mm-hmm. I dealt with. It was fascinating, his stories. Let me open up about the things that I dealt with and kind of expose myself and take, down my, take off my armor so you can see all the scars that I have. And then you can see, hey, you have scars too, but mm-hmm. those don't have to hold you back. They can actually be empowering for you as well. So... That right there was created a deeper bond. Yeah, that vulnerability he showed his teammates created a deeper bond mm-hmm. with them and allowed them to get to know him better and now trust that he was like them and that they could join forces in a deep way to, to achieve success. And then, and then the, you know, the, the results follow.
0: I love that. What is one of the most your favorite stories about him in terms of his vulnerability when he started opening up? i would say
1: i would say well to his team i mean there's there's a lot anything about him i I mean there's so many stories it's just quite fascinating i would say that with his or well with his team he he talked about his relationships he talked about even like his relationship with his you know with his family about how Mm. he you know having a fight with your wife or whatever and still being able to Go to work. Yeah, and, I love that. Actually, it's one
0: of the things that underlined. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: something he mentioned in one of his interviews about about that, mm, and then you know actually dug deeper into that story, and it's just quite fascinating how you know he was willing to like reveal that for that part of of what he had gone through, and really still transcend all of that. So, and then yeah, his you know, so he, and his documentary called Toby Bryant's Muse was also very fascinating because at the end of it, or, or sorry, near the end, he talks mm-hmm. about. You know his the whole challenge of the you know uh, the the assault accusation oh yeah that's, and mm-hmm. how he you know and the rest and how his life had been pretty much destroyed but he had to recognize that it wasn't about him it was about what it was about the mess that he created for everybody else and you know part of it was for his own wife you know and 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 in kobe bryant's muse it was, it was made in 2015. so this was way long years before all of that had been all of that that whole crisis included. But yeah. He admitted in that in that documentary that the stress that he put on his wife mm-hmm. he believes you know caused a miscarriage, mm-hmm. and and he said he said that he you know even though he knows miscarriages are common thing that he still blames himself for for what happened to his family and for his, his wife his wife losing their child. So for him to mm-hmm. come and like you know say that on camera to a national audience is like a huge. Demonstration of like growth and humility, Yeah. and really, as much as people say, "Hey, you need to be tough. You need to, you know, show everybody that you're strong." When you show signs of vulnerability, that's strong. That you know, when you show signs of vulnerability that are not forced, then that's and that is strong. Exactly, you're strong mm-hmm. enough to let mm-hmm. people know how you felt. You're strong enough to show people mm-hmm. your scars. That's the real strength.
0: It is yeah. the real strength, and it's yeah. that you said something very key in terms of just being a human, being alive, mental health, all these things, it's recognizing the impact of your behavior on others and taking that responsibility and then not just being aware, but actually doing something about it, and he sure. did that. He he did. He, had, he he took a responsibility for the the impact on his wife. He spoke about it. He yeah. tried to fix it. He, and that, that's I think a very key lesson for for everyone that we need to recognise that all of us impact each other in positive ways, hopefully most of the time. But we do have sure. negative impact on each other, yeah. and it's to ha- take that responsibility. And you can't change what's happened, but you can change what it what the whole thing looks like and how yeah. it plays out into the future of that. Relationship in those individuals, you know, that's a key thing. That I wonder, Ellie, just as a slight aside, in this, in this is the conversation I've been having with a couple of people is if this is not something that's become a bit of an issue in this current mental health climate, where we've veered between not talking about mental health to talking a lot about mental health, but the way we talk about mental health, the awareness of the impact of early childhood trauma and trauma and everything, if we've talked so much about it that we just talking like almost like we're just taking off but we're not flying the plane we're crashing i wonder if there isn't a little bit of not enough recognition of hey yes that happened to me but i'm also showing up in such a way and i'm also impacting others and it's not just about me and i can't just put myself in a bubble and i don't know just a little bit of a no
1: i know i think that's a great question and i feel like yes it's it's great that that mental health is a bigger issue but it only matters how you talk about it and Mm -hmm. i do feel like a lot of the conversation is about how you know each person should feel like they are a victim and and yes we've all victims in certain ways you know and Mm -hmm. childhood things happen to us that we couldn't control this is true but there has to be more than just being a victim and it and part of it is that you know something that you say which is it's not just about you know reacting to things it's how it's it's about how do you respond Mm -hmm. you know you can still control how you respond to the things that happen to you Mm -hmm. and Again, going back to the whole idea of you know how could we respond to things happening to him? It goes back to hey, I can change the future based on how I respond to the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So That's, uh, important. Yeah. So exactly. So you know when people say and you know whether it's ch- you know especially things happening in your childhood, if you you know decades and decades later, it's like at the, at the end of the day, is what are you going to do about it? How are you going to Either take whatever happened and turn it into something good for someone else, or how are you going to go and try and try and you know fix the things that you can fix? And and it goes back to like I said, taking action. You know, talk therapy is great, but there has to be some action at the end of it to to be able to transform the where you are and, and get to a better place, so that your past is is not like a burden on you. But
0: and a burden on yeah. others and a
1: burden on everybody else too.
0: I mean, life life is life is messy, and that's you know that's why this podcast is called cleaning up the mental mess. Which yeah. is very appropriate because life is messy. We all are messy. You no, know, there is, is no normal brain as per Yale study as per the research. Mm-hmm. This means that we we have to constantly be moving between the famous thing or the, the thing that I say all the time, which is mind management. And mm. I see throughout your book the elements of how Kobe did manage his mind, and I think that really seems to, to me what gripped you as well. All these elements of what he put into yeah. his mind management journey, yeah. things like empathy, things like reconceptualization, yeah. very fundamental processes that make you part of a community that can move forward. Here's being a in the basketball community, yeah. being a father, being a husband, yeah. being an influencer in, on pe- so yeah. many people's lives. And yeah. to the point where he's left a legacy, yeah. we don't necessarily have to remember Kobe, great basketball player, really not been one of the nicest characters in the first <laughs> half of his life. Yeah, sure. we, we don't really think, we think of how he changed. Sure. And that's huge, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, it is. the it's,
1: legacy. It's though. really huge. I mean, again, going from, you know, being an LA native yeah. You know, I felt I felt like okay, Kobe was, you know, Kobe and Lakers, they were they were for me, you know, because that they were Ellie was synonymous with Kobe. I didn't realize that they were he was for everybody else too. And as I started doing the research for this book, I, I was just shocked at just how much he impacted women's sports, for example. Wow. It was quite it was quite fascinating. I mean, that that you know, for somebody who's had so many challenges and has been such such a controversial athlete, He's now known as like one of the best, one of the strongest advocates for women's sports out of of the entire Mm -hmm. NBA, out of the entire NBA. So to the point where last year, they actually, the WNBA created an award in his honor to, that they now give out every year to people who advocate for women's sports. And like... What does he say? Oh, it's just, it just blows my mind. There's so many people, so many female athletes that have been inspired by him that he's that he's, reached, that he's coached and mentored and reached out to that are now like, you know, whether it's Naomi Osaka in mm-hmm. tennis or whether it's top players in WNBA, like Sabrina Ionescu mm-hmm. or Jewel Lloyd, it's just quite fascinating. I think yeah, you know, there's one one statement that the, the the commissioner of the WNBA said in 2019 that only one person, only one NBA player came to talk to her, and that was Kobe. Out of the hundreds, only one player wow. came to talk to her.
0: Wow. You
1: know, and yes, he had a da- He had his daughter, G- uh, Gianna, who was a mm-hmm. huge fan of basketball and was becoming a great uh, athlete as a teenager, and so that's motivation too. But at the end of the day, he decided that it wasn't just about, you know, helping my daughter. It was about helping, helping women in general and giving back mm-hmm. and trying to elevate their own ability to to be great in, in their own way so i was just really i was just really shocked about how you know how he just and, and that's why you said it's, it's yeah. not like oh, okay people just remember him as that as you know a great player who did this and missed this, this but there was so much more and that's what led to such to everybody just being so devastated when when he passed away yeah. because it's like he was just getting started with uh, with how he was going to become even greater than every all of his accomplishments on the basketball court
0: Absolutely he yeah. was going to become a, a, a person to transform people's lives but his his message it's it, still there It's there and it's so fascinating that he went from being someone who was actually pretty isolated and yeah. self-involved to someone who became so like the only one only NBA player to go and talk to that women for example yes. to to the shift to Empathy To Reconceptualizing yeah. His life So you know if, if you had to And I know there's Some other things That you I mean you, there's so much You highlight yeah. in this book And I, I mean I So recommend this book For everyone Because it's really Every time I talk to Ellie about this And you you had this dream To talk You've been talking For a while now About doing this book And talking about The ideas And talking about Kobe sure. Bryant And and you know Putting it into Into a book form This is something For everyone Even if you don't Like sport Like I didn't Particularly think I like sport But the fascination Of what I have learned From this book has been amazing. I mean, it's it's a fantastic book that I strongly recommend people get because it's another. It's a beautiful story yes. of transformation. Yes. That's really what it is. A Im- beautiful story of transformation of taking the challenges of life and turning that into something that is very constructively helping Absolutely. others. And you know, for me, I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you know this answer. Yes. Re- re- reconceptualization and empathy were two key things that really hit you and in in your in your search and your sure. research. What made, when did that shift happen in him? Was it a slow, gradual thing? Well, or no. was it a...
1: So, what was so, the key? Well, what it's is a challenge. The- so he, he he knew, or well, rather, it, 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 the part about reconceptualization was kind of always there, internally, in terms of taking, okay. taking the attacks, taking the, the hate, taking all the... The toxic energy and turning taking it into something his good for himself. Yeah, taking yeah, taking taking people people saying he was no good and he would never make it, and such and such. That that was something that he developed in childhood. In fact, there was an interesting story an interesting technique he mm-hmm. used when he was in high school. Is when he came back from it, when his parents returned from Italy to the United States after his father retired from basketball mm-hmm. and he became he entered high school. He he encountered a lot of a lot of disses from. Other basketball players in the Philadelphia area who were oh. like, you know, but who were called ballers, you know, I'm from the hood, or, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. you're from Italy, you're Mr. Mr. you know, Preppy, pretty mm-hmm. boy, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know what it's like to play street ball, mm-hmm. you know, get out of here, you know. And so he faced a lot of that negative energy. And, and one uh, technique that I really was intrigued by is he went and had, he went to a basketball court with one of his friends. And he would have his friend like kind of rebound the ball for him while was shooting, and then he would have his friend stand on the sideline and start yelling slurs at him, yelling hateful remarks at him while he was shooting the basketball. Almost kind of like getting him used to that toxic show. energy, so so it so that when it did happen in real game, it would just be like you know just like just, you can just brush it off, you know, and it, it wasn't a big deal anymore. So he kind of, he kind of practiced being immersed in a toxic environment that he can control. So it was something that, that, that he could actually be able to process effectively So so in terms of the mm-hmm. reconceptualization I think that was that was part of where he really developed that As a child.
0: So he developed that as a skill Through his yeah. lifetime and yeah. reconceptualization Is looking at things through another lens And being able to see another perspective, that multiple perspective Advantage, it's really a skill That will develop through your lifetime and As soon as you've mastered it for one area of your life yeah. Then you've got more resilience You unmask on that your natural resilience Which yeah. is what he was doing and then as something else comes Along that's totally different, you're not going to do It in exactly the same way but you, you've you've trained yourself to look at whatever the situation is in a different way. And it really seems like that's something Kobe mastered, but yeah. it was a lifelong journey. So I'm very glad you emphasised that, that point that this yeah. is not something you don't just arrive with reconceptualization. It's an ongoing developmental process, Yeah, but your resilience yeah. is constantly increasing with every reconceptualization that Indeed. you make.
1: Indeed it is. There was another time. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. It's like, yeah. And as a child, he kind of figured that out in that scenario. A few years later, when he joined the MBA, he was stuck on, or, you know, he was just a rookie. He saw hardly any playing time. His coach didn't want to, didn't, you know, felt like, oh, we don't want to play you because you're too young. Da, 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 da. Mm. And so he got really depressed. In fact, he, he, at one point, he kind of almost regretted jumping into the NBA because he felt like he was not being respected and like, mm. no, no one would give him a chance to prove himself. And interestingly enough, he read, that rookie's year, he read autobiography of Jackie Robinson. You know, the famous baseball player, the first black baseball player and read about all the toxic hate that he faced mm-hmm. when he joined the Major League Baseball, which was like 10 times worse than anything Kobe's faced. And so for him, he realized, oh hey, what I'm doing t- with is not that bad. you know instead of maybe instead of like just being bummed out that I'm not gonna play in time, let me reconceptualize it into, in terms of, you know what? Well, I, anytime I'm on the court, I'm gonna show everyone that I deserve to play and I'm going to play my heart out. And by the end of the season, he had proven to everyone that he really does deserve to be here. And it's because he's, he, he, instead of being bummed out, he saw, I should actually turn this into a chance to, to transcend and really prove myself. And, that, and that's what he did.
0: Oh, I love that. I really love that. Yeah. And then in terms of the empathy, when, when did that switch came? Because the so, deconceptualization was yeah, a lifelong was, journey.
1: Yes, the empathy was, was really... After they after he lost or after he and the Lakers lost the Celtics in the 2008 finals he had you know over the last year he mm-hmm. had he had kind of t- turned over a new leaf as a player mm-hmm. and become more kind he had shown more kindness to his teammates mm-hmm. but the problem was he did not you know because he he tried to show so much kindness they weren't ready for a team that was going to be brutal and physical and gonna knock them down which is what the Celtics did mm. and so he was super frustrated it's like hey when I'm tough on my team they can't handle it when I go easy on them it's great but then you know they they do they, well. then, then somebody else is tough on them then they felt they felt falter so what do I do you know because you no know, if I none of these approaches are are getting me the results I want and that's when he went back to what you know Phil Jackson had been teaching for years which is Hey, let's look at each person differently,
0: Love it, yeah, the individual. you know,
1: and then it's like, okay, with this player, I should be tough on them because they need it. With this player, I should go easy on them. With this player, I should consider what's going on in their life in this case, so on and so forth. And, that, and it's, it's, that's when he realized that, you know, it's not just about, oh, okay, well, let me be nice to everybody or, or, okay, let me yell at everybody. It's like, let me treat these people different about, you know, according to the situation they're in and the experience they've had, they're having and and that's what really made the difference for them.
0: Wow, you know, that's such a, a an amazing the appropriate life principle too because the whole concept of let me see you, let me understand you and not put you into a category like yes. everyone else. And that's why I'm yes. so anti things like personality tests, because you aren't a type whatever, you're type you. And it's like that individuality that we need to recognize as individuals and you build a person's self identity like that. So no matter how they're showing up, you're still seeing that person's value and you understanding and working around that. Obviously there's you know with there's consequences and there's parameters and they need to you know train and all that kind of stuff so there's the, the the skill required but it's that fundamental recognition of the humanity the uniqueness of that person's humanity and who they are and, and, and that was the key turning yeah. point in in how they turned into an incredible team
1: yeah it, it really was it really was and yeah. it, he it's just such a life lesson yeah it's it's yeah it's just it's quite remarkable and and Another thing that was just really great for me is that, like, after he retired, even a few years before he retired, his focus had, tra- had transitioned from, you know, winning championships, really, to just teaching everybody else, hey, here, look, check out what I learned, check out all the things that I discovered through my career, you guys need to know about this. Wow, you know, it's almost whether, like he
0: had a sense of, like, urgency?
1: I don't know, I mean, I did write in the book, you know, it does feel like he, you know, he wanted to get all of his secrets learning out. out before it's too late, and... He got enough out that it's filled up this book with amazing stories and so many words of wisdom from him, you know, that really just just inspired me, myself. I mean mm. like one one thing that we haven't talked about is meditation yes. for yeah, example. Yeah, when
0: did you bring that up? Meditation.
1: So, so he you know, he learned meditation love, from Phil Jackson, mm, yes. who was a big who was a big proponent of that. And for me I never was I mean I've heard of meditation here and there, but I was never like gave it any much thought. I'm like, oh, there's just some some new thing. It was a new thing. I'm like, well, what you just <laughs> sit there, how are you supposed to think of nothing? That doesn't even make yeah, any sense. Make sense. I'm just like, well, yeah. why am I wasting my time? I could be getting stuff done. But then when I started doing the study, I'm like, oh my goodness, he is really he's really serious about this, you know, from for you know, for the last twenty years of his life, he was he meditated like almost every day. And I'm like, okay, you know what, let me start trying this out. So I started doing like, you know, five minutes in the morning, I would get up and and just like, you know, be in a quiet room and just try and focus on my breath and try and push away any distractions. And I found after a few weeks, I was like, when I would be in the workday in meetings with that meetings that I usually sometimes are challenged at focusing Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. like my focus was so much better. I was able to push more easily, push distracting thoughts out of the way than before. And it really did feel like. The meditation isn't just it's, it's like an exercise. It's, it's a, like a yeah. mind the exercise. So that's why I call it like it's a mind like it's mind exercising brain. your mind mm-hmm. muscle. Mm-hmm. So I describe in the book because it's really it's almost kind of like doing a, like doing planking, but you're doing mm-hmm. it in your head. Mm-hmm. So that way, when you are in a situation where you need to focus, it's a lot easier for you to do that because your brain's already used to that that that, that struggle. And so it's really helped me out in my, in my daily life, just being able to be more focused with all the things that are going on yeah. and, and be productive, you know, in the midst of so much craziness.
0: I love that. I, I love the way you, you handle the meditation in the book. And, you know, you, know, you and I have discussed this before, but essentially the meditation is aligning the mind, brain, body network, your psychoneurobiological network and getting the, all the chemicals and the energy and all the electromagnetic waves and all the, Everything that's happening inside the different parts of the brain and the body It's getting them calmed down So your neurophysiology is in a state that's going to help you concentrate better And and as you say, it doesn't have to be long It can just be a two-minute thing In in my neurocycle, there's two to three-minute meditations that you can do Just to get that alignment So it's brain preparation It's mind, brain, body Well, not just brain preparation It's it's the whole psychoneurobiological network It prepares and aligns it for For moving forward and being more focused. So, and, and I think in this, all of every human battles with distraction, and yeah. you know, me in a and, and in this living in this age now, where we've got access to so much information, yeah, we can our brain can get really wired up. And our brain wants that knowledge and wants that information, but a huge part of our ability to focus and concentrate and get the best out of ourselves is going to be be able to learn how to control the neurophysiological reactions. And meditation is such a great tool for that. It, it and I is. love how you explained that in the book too.
1: It is, it is. You know, one thing I was thinking about also, in addition to that, was your, sorry, just no, to look Go, at. no, go, so, go here.
0: I wanted to find so, What are you that? I want to Find there was something I had highlighted that so, I wanted to do. you mention. know, you
1: are focused on you know your new book about kids, you know, cleaning up your yes. t- or helping children help 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 mental mess. mess. Uh, there's another parallel that I didn't even mention, which is Kobe's relationship with his daughter Gianna, with the, with all his children, and how he tr- tried to help them as a father mm. in a way that was, you know, give them room to grow and be themselves. So So what one thing he said, like, for example, the visualization, which was a big thing for him and in his line of children's books, he's that's been a big subject that he's shared with with people who read those books and people who are involved in children's sports when he was coaching his children's basketball team. He would, I think he said each practice, he would have them spend like 10 minutes of just imagination time. We would have them standing from the basket and with the ball and just have them imagine whatever it is they want to, f- they want to imagine yeah. in terms of them playing sports and how, how they're going to succeed or how they're not going to succeed, you know? And he said that, you know, that sports, that so many kids are dropping out of sports because they're too rigid, they're too structured, there's too much pressure and too much stress. They don't just let their kids go out and have fun. And he said, basically, the best thing for kids' sports is for parents to just get out of the way and let kids be themselves. Let them explore. Let them discover. Let them enjoy themselves in whatever sport that they, they, they're doing, instead of trying to force them to do, you know, to, oh, do things perfectly. So.
0: I love that, yeah. I love that because imagination is where way that you re-energize the brain yeah. it's like literally plugging your cell phone in and charging your cell phone so that visualization is doing yeah. that, it's recharging the brain and your mind needs your brain in an optimal state in order for you to function at a higher level, so whether it's applied to sport or your work environment or yeah. academic environment or relationship or whatever it is, imagination's just absolutely one of the most powerful things that goes hand in hand with visualization and I was actually turning to that section in the book, you talk about uh, 70, page 74 page 74 yeah, you, this is a little quote that you had as a coach I encourage my players to focus on visualization just as much as athleticism visualization combines concentration imagination and belief concentration is the ability to think about a single thing or task without internal or external interruption imagination is the creative ability to see yourself in a wide range of situations and envisage how you'd navigate them belief is unshakable confidence in your own abilities these qualities are crucial to success in sports I l- absolutely love that Do you want to unpack that paragraph a, little well, yeah, bit talk yeah. a little bit. I don't think you need it in front oh, of no, you. No, well, you know it. I mean,
1: I, I know. Yeah, I do. I do know. But yeah, this is something that he discussed in one of his articles that he wrote about visualization and when it comes to teaching kids like his his daughter's basketball team. And it goes back to, yeah, it's, as he said, it's three steps. It's because you can, because imagination is great in on, on and of itself, but it needs to have other supporting structures. It's got to have the supporting, su- supporting structure. Structures. So you, if you have concentration, if you, if you actually... Are able to focus your mind on whatever it is you're thinking about that's even better for me personally meditations help with that as well and then the the confidence or or as or as I talk about you know the takesable confidence in your about in your abilities so if you're if you're thinking you're you know you're you know five foot tall and you're like oh I want to be a you know basketball player that's not that's not that's not really it, and I did uh, play
0: basketball, but, by the way. But yeah, it's kind of uh, well, hard yes. getting the.
1: I, oh my, I know. Yes. Yeah. Well. Okay. As a kid, sure. But yeah, as like, a kid, you know, sure. But like, oh, I'm five foot tall. I'm going to join the NBA. Okay, that's a great idea. But I mean, is it how, how? Yeah, how's it realistic? But if you have, if you have a confidence in your abilities that you've developed based on your skill set and on your on practicing and all of that, mm. so if you have that confidence already, and then you combine that confidence with visualization then great things can happen. Then that's where you can level up because it's taking what's already there and then now allowing you to reach the next step and the next step. So, it's a, so you know, him being able to like really codify that in this, in this paragraph is just super valuable. It is.
0: Mudwater is a coffee alternative for four adaptogenic mushrooms and Ayurvedic herbs with only a fraction of caffeine as a cup of coffee. You get energy without the anxiety jitters or crash of coffee. Mudwater leans on mushrooms in their blend of matcha and their blend of chai for sustained energy. Each ingredient was added for a purpose. Lion's mane, that's a mushroom, for alertness. Cordyceps to help support physical performance. Chaga and Reishi to support your immune system. Turmeric for soreness and cinnamon for antioxidants. I personally love their delicious rest blend with rooibos, chai, chamomile and cinnamon which I mix with coconut milk and honey at night for the perfect bedtime drink. The smell and flavors are incredibly relaxing and full of nutrients my brain and body need to rest and function well. I also love that Mudwater is 100% USDA organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan and kosher certified. Just go to mudwater.com forward slash Dr. to support the show and use the code Dr. Lee for 15% off your order. The link and details will be in the show notes. So you know yeah. what I'd love us to do because this is such such a great tip for people to, to bear in mind. And so it's three things that he puts together here. So just literally as a, as a tip, when we talk about visualization, people often just think, oh, well, I've just got to visualize something and picture something. Yes, it is. But it is – it, it, it combines, as you said, concentration, imagination, and belief. Yeah. So t- the ability to, and concentration is your ability to think about a single thing. Yeah. So here's the tip. So three things, guys, for for visualization. Is first thing is concentration. Concentration is your ability to think about a single thing or a task without internal, external interruption. Can you give an example of that?
1: Yeah, so... One of the things that he's done, if we're talking about, his talk about
0: the concentration. Okay. It, so concentration,
1: a, a, it goes. So hmm.
0: think about we, a single, single task without internal, or external interaction. You know,
1: you know. One of the things that he I, I mentioned in another part of the book is how he used music to focus. So, some for everybody has their favorite music that can put you in a certain state, so, help yeah, focus sure. on something. So that's one way that he would try, you know, he has this whole idea of the Mamba mentality, getting to to his Black Mamba so-called alter ego, which would be hey, putting us on a certain music and then he's able to focus on on what it is that he wants to do out there on the basketball court, so that, so that's find really your
0: cool. little key, yeah. And for him, it was music and music therapy is an amazing thing. Yeah. You also talk about. I loved yeah. how you talked about that in the book too. Yeah. And I'm a great proponent of that. And just as an aside, we will come back to these three tips. Is when I was working in schools and mm-hmm. in my when I still practice, Ilya always had baroque and classical music playing because mm-hmm. it does stimulate the, the focus and the concentration. Yeah. And I'd go into schools where kids would say, "Ew, that's yucky music," and then I'd say, "Well, just you know, just it's quietly in the background." if the music switched off the kids would go and switch it on and that was teenagers young kids i never had to control the music when mm. it, you know it, it continued play. they would they would want the music on so it's incredible Indeed. and there's a lot of Indeed. research around that Indeed. so find what helps you to get yourself into that state of of concentration but concentration is thinking about that one single thing that you want to focus on so maybe it is that exam you're going to write yeah. or it is that that talk that you're going to have with someone, or it's in preparation for an interview. Like when I prepare for interviews, I, I focus on just that one thing and don't let anything else distract me. Yeah. And that's so that's that's so that's the one first part of visualization. Then the second part is that is the imagination, yeah. which is your creative ability yeah. to to basically see yourself. So it's that ability to see yourself in a situation. So for example, when I prepare for interviews, like preparing sure. for this one, I'll concentrate on the book. I read the book. Sure. I look at the questions. I'll focus just on that soul. Get I get into it. I will then visualize and imagine. It. Then, then I start the visualization, which is, I mean, sorry, the imagination, imagining having the interview, talking, talking, thinking of Kobe Bryant, thinking of as you, as I read the book, the stories of, and seeing him and the pictures, and so seeing it in my mind's eye. So maybe I'll close my mind or whatever my eyes or not. And then the third thing is that belief. Yes. And and in this situation, I'm giving a silly example of preparing for an interview. But then I would, I'm confident in my my ability to interview and to get this information out to give the best information to help people. Absolutely. So there's three elements there: concentration, imag- imagination, and yeah. confidence. Yeah, and that makes up. That's what visualization yeah. makes up. And you gave the example of how he got into a state of concentration using music therapy, yeah. and how meditation is also another skill yeah. that you can use. So there's a lot of tips. So here. There's
1: all things that they they all connect together. All you know? connect
0: together beautifully, and, that,
1: and that's the thing. Is a lot of the, a lot of the things that he learned and the things that. The, the skills that he adopted They, they complement each other Totally And so Because like One is great But it's only get you so far But when you compare it With the, all these other things Then suddenly you have a superpower You know? you, you have a
0: superpower yeah. So the superpower is made up Of building all of those yeah. things so If we summarize Reconceptualization yeah. Was a huge thing That was yeah. like really hit you And that yeah. he developed Throughout his life Yeah The empathy was something He didn't have in the first yeah. half Of his career and life And he shifted And that shifted the whole yeah. The whole history of Of the Lakers game and, and the impact, and in in doing that, combining those, he then started, you know, learning about meditation and music therapy, yeah. and adding those to his arsenal of of mental health techniques. Because we often think of mental health is just dealing with the problem. Mental health is also growing you as a person to be an effective leader or part of your community, or sure. just in being dealing with the ups and downs of life. It's not necessarily just dealing with the problem.
1: Yeah, no, and that's the thing. It's like you know if you wait until there's a problem, then you waited too long.
0: Exactly. You know, exactly. It's being proactive.
1: It it is being proactive. And that's for me. It's like, Hey, I didn't start meditation because I was like depressed. I needed something to help myself. I'm like, no, this guy who's like one of the greatest athletes ever, he's doing it. And he started, he's still doing it. Even after he retired, I'm like, okay, well maybe I should be doing it too. And the more you're seeing some great results out of it. And so it's like, Yeah, why why wait to to improve your life? Especially when the things that you can do to do it are—they're not, not that hard. No, they're it's, it's
0: being—it's being proactive yeah. and it's getting. You know, we, we all have a natural wire for love nature, which means that every sure. single part of our psychoneurobiological network is geared for survival. And inside that is resilience, and resilience is what we naturally as humans have. But it has to be unmasked. So the kinds of things that you teach in your book are, and and through these stories and these principles, are helping to unmask our natural resilience in a very proactive way yeah. so this book is a book for everyone because it yeah. is a book that is proactively through stories of of people's and we love stories of people's lives we love yeah. stories of of you know heroes and people changing from being kind of mean to being incredible yes. we love that no
1: it, it's i know and that's why I, I i enjoyed writing this book so much because it did revolt to me more about his stories that it's not just that he was just a great person or a great player all the time and, uh, you know, a co- cookie-cutter hero. And it's not just no that he was no one can a- really aspire no. to because it's
0: only one of the few and I can just admire the yes, Yeah, and just, you and can- that,
1: but, but see, when people see people on TV, that's yeah. what they think. They, think, they either yeah. think, oh, they're just perfect, I'll never be like that. Exactly. Or they resent them and like, oh, that must person must be really horrible whatever. Yeah. But it's actually not… Theres Neither of those is more nuanced than that, and in the within the nuance that's where the story is mm, where the, we like have that. the change and we have the transformation, mm-hmm. where you have the the redemption and the the you know all the, how you know dealing with challenges that's where the story is, and there's so many stories that I discovered that, like most people even know about, even Kobe fans, Laker fans, that like I've shared with them, and they're like, I had no idea he did went through that. or I had no idea that happened to him. or I had no idea does this, this and then this, and so that's why, you, like you said, I mean, I, I, it is a it is a book for everybody. Now, now being that it's about Kobe Bryant, it's a sports book. Obviously, it's going to be more likely that uh, you know sports fans mm-hmm. and usually men will pick up the book, which is okay because. It's, it's almost, it's kind of like, a in a way, it's like a secret, it's a way to get mental health ideas to people who are not usually thinking about mental exactly. health. Exactly, So So I think mm-hmm. from that bu- viewpoint, I'm really... I'm really looking forward to people picking up this book and thinking that it's just like a book about Kobe and then realizing, oh my goodness, there's a lot more about in here this that I can use lessons, myself and yeah. I can improve myself. And, and yeah, I'm not into all this, all this. I don't really believe in all this mental health stuff, but oh, Kobe's into it, now I should get into it too. So I'm really ha- I'm really excited yeah, about that. But that's really great. But, but, in a, but on top of itself, it's the stories that, any, that anybody could embrace and be like, wow, I'm really fascinated that, you know, this guy who I didn't even think about went through all of these things and did all of this. And, and yeah, I, could, I really learned something about it. So I think it's a book for everybody. You know, once they, once they open the first page, they'll be like, oh, okay, this is. There's something this here for it. me. Yeah. yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. And what I like about it is you can actually jump around all over the book and you can find yeah. stuff that's, and that's not, you can't always do that in a book. It's, it's actually, you can kind of pick up anywhere and, oh, I could learn something here and yeah. learn something there. Two more things I'd like to do yes. before we end this interview. Yes. Tell me, that you said there's stories that people have, didn't, oh, I didn't even know that about Kobe. Can you pick one of those? Yeah. Just something that people don't know that really got you that or that you shared with others and they said, wow, I didn't even know that story. Yeah. Like, what stands out to
1: you? Yeah, like I, I, the story about, uh gosh, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but. <laughs> no,
0: it's always no, good you know. to lots of I stories know,
1: I, know. I there There are so many, there are so many. The story about how he, Oh, I guess that's a good story. So he, one of the WNBA players that, that he ended up mentoring, she had a problem with dyslexia, so she really struggled to read and he, you know, he would help her out with her basketball skills and all of that. Mm. And then one day he sent her one of his, his first, the novel, his sport, first teen sports novel you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be launching this soon. I would love you to read it. And the, the book's is like 600 pages long. Mm,
0: wow. And so, and, and so you wrote such long so, books.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that, that book is one of the longest books that he, that he wrote. So he, she, he sent it to her and she's like, you know, she started opening and reading it, but she's just like, I can't do this. I, I, I hate reading because of my dyslexia, this sucks. And so she eventually confessed to him, Hey, you know what? I, you know, I appreciate this, but I'm just, I don't think I can do this. And she's like, and he's like, Hey, look, I know, you know, and, and that's why I want you to do this. I want you to face your fears. I
0: love that. I want
1: you to, to, to take this challenge because there's really special things in this book about resilience and about, you know, being able to transcend your challenges that I think you can really appreciate. And one of the other things that people don't know is that when Kobe was a child, he was also told that he has dys- he had dyslexia. I shouldn't know that either. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was also told that he had dyslexia, and that put him in that bummed him mean, out as well. Mm-hmm. So he had that connection that he shared with that player that that and where she was like, it just blew her away. It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with basketball, but it was just as motivating as any conviction. of his basketball skills that he shared with me. So that's um, a beautiful yeah. story. That's yeah. a
0: beautiful story. So I think people, the other sort of thing I wanted to throw out there was that people could literally take their own stories, mm-hmm. like your stories of your life and just see, you know, look, as you read through these things, just think of how we, you could maybe, your own story could be swapped out for Kobe's story and how you could apply the empathy yeah. and the reconceptualization yeah. and the, you know, where you could fit maybe meditation and the elements of visualization yeah. that you have spoken about, how they could fit that into their life. Absolutely. And like, and, and it's a proactive book. It's a story of a, a man's life who's had huge impact on people and how he changed. And it's, it's, pro, you've, you've written it in a way that's encouraging people to be proactive about their own life, which is exactly what I'm trying to do with my latest book, which is helping children help them, as you mentioned, help Helping a parent help their children clean up their own mental mess, learn the powers to tell, the skills to tell their own story in a very proactive way, and we can be so much more proactive about life, can't we, Ilya? Yeah. I and mean, this is like such a a skill. Spe-
1: speaking of which, speaking of which, there's one other story that I think is really fascinating. Okay, go for it. So tell, tell, us, so, tell us that story. So you know, because like you know, talk about his his other passion, which which was storytelling, and and, and for those who who don't know, for those who have kids. Especially kids who are interested in sports, they should totally go out and get his sports-themed books, which are New York Times bestsellers. Yeah. That, and I've read some of them, and the way that he combines fantasy with sports and Beautiful. it's just it's just really it's just really fascinating, and kids will gobble gobble it up. But how he got that, how he developed his passion for storytelling, it happened when he was in high school. So, so one of the stories is that he had a homework assignment he had to do, which was to come up with a story that he had to teach to he had to the, the whole class in the creative writing assignment was to come up with a story that they were going to then read to a kindergarten class. And he totally forgot about the assignment. And he was like, you know, school, the, you know, the, the school they were starting. is like, I got to come up with a story. This is, I'm running out of time. And he came up with a story about, Kids and their clothes, because he's like, how do I connect with 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 kindergartners? I'm I'm a high school student, I'm a basketball mm-hmm. player, but I know what challenge I have is keeping my room clean. All my clothes are all the place where I, I sweep them under the under the rug or under the bed. I hide them under the bed, and you know I don't put them in the laundry like I should. And so he came up with the story of of how little kids when they would be disobedient and hide their clothes under their bed. Mm-hmm. And then at night the clothes would come alive
0: <laughs> and, so cute.
1: and then reach out from, reach out from the bed and drag the kids down to their doom.
0: Oh my goodness. So he,
1: so he told this story to the kindergarten class and, and then he said that days later, the his high school received letters from parents saying, Oh, I don't know what happened to my kid, but his You're room's never been room. so clean. I love it. It's that's, never been so clean. That's a cute story. So, so, you, so you can add that to your book. About I love the that. Mental that. That's math. a yeah. really
0: great story. I'll have to use that again. Ellie, this has been such yes. a pleasure. I always love talking to you. And yes. it's been a pleasure to share you with my audience. And Absolutely. I really encourage that you go get this book. Where can they get the book?
1: They can get it right now on Amazon. Or it, real, An easy way to find it is just go to and that'll go straight to the Amazon page and you know go order it. You can get it in hardcover, like this beautiful one here, paperback, or your ebook, and uh, yeah, yeah, share sure. with everyone that you think would appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for doing this, Evie. It's no, really a great you. thing. And it's such thank, thank, you. thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing no, it's these. Oh, upla- my
1: pleasure.
0: I've loved it. And I think this is such a great message that you have for everyone. It's, it's beautiful. It's a great book. And thank you and congratulations.
1: Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> it's been
0: so you. nice having you here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful.